If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. It feels a little weird uh, to have you open up to a different book of the Bible other than Acts. All right, if it is your first time with us or the first time in a while, we have been going through the book of Acts uh, since Easter last spring. We kind of took this time. We, we had a few little breaks here and there, but we've gone through the book of Acts this whole time. Uh, and I've absolutely loved it. It was incredibly challenging for me, uh, but more than anything, I, ju- I just feel like I have a completely different view on the early church and what their mission was and how they accomplished it uh, and, and, and how we actually still fit into that today. All right, so thanks to Pastor Aaron for finishing up that series uh, last weekend. If you missed any of those, you want to catch it, you can always go on our website under Media and Long Prairie, and all of those are there. Today, we are going in a new direction for the next couple weeks. All right, as a church, we try to make sure that one of our main focuses is how are we inside this building, you know, that's what the church is, it's not this building, it's us, how are we, the church, having an impact outside of this building? Like, that, that's incredibly important. It's fun to come together and kind of uh, encourage each other and lift each other up, but that's, that's not necessarily always, uh, that, that's part of the purpose. We also have a massive part of our purpose that lies outside of these walls. Uh, and, and at our church, we use the phrase being a kingdom builder. All right, that's a reference to just kind of God's kingdom and trying to build his kingdom, make it larger. Jesus tells us to pray that his kingdom would come and that his will would be done. All right, and if you look at how Jesus instructs us to live, uh, if we follow his instructions, his way of living, we will actually be part of making the world be the way that God intended it to. All right, therefore, bringing the kingdom of God. Like, this is a big part of who we are. And one of the biggest ways that we can do this as Americans, we've talked about this before, uh, is, is as Americans, we are incredibly blessed in ways that the rest of, like, many other areas of the world are not. All right, and we think that one of the ways that we can make a massive impact is by using the money that we have. We just, we have money that, that other people around the world would dream of having. And that doesn't matter if you're the poorest person in this room. Like, we have so much abundance in our life all the time. Uh, And this is just a massive way that we can make a difference. And we have broken down all sorts of projects that we as a church have kind of come up with uh, that we are committed to financially because we see these projects as building the kingdom of God. Okay, so here are some of the projects behind me. Um, They're going to be on a screen, and I've kind of covered up different spots. I've patched it together so you can see them. Uh, And we have, uh, we've broken these these projects into several different categories. And we had this as a paper booklet. If you want one, I can get it to you. Otherwise, it is on our website as a digital booklet. All right, and so we have categorized these projects into three groupings. The first one being global. All right, and those are projects that are all around the world. And we talked in depth about these back in March. All right, like all the different things that we can do around the world without necessarily even leaving Long Prairie or our area. We still can have an impact. All right, uh, the next category that we break these projects into is future. And this is actually a reference to the future generations uh, and ways that we can reach and support, love, and train them uh, to follow after Jesus and change their world. Okay, and we talked more in depth about this grouping back at the beginning of June for a couple weeks. And then the last group is this, it's local. And local is ways we can build the kingdom of God right here in Long Prairie, uh, in Sock Center, 
in Browerville, in Swanville, the surrounding communities, uh, things in Minnesota, and actually even just through our country. Like, we consider all of that to be local. And we can have a difference. We can make a difference. We can have an impact on God's kingdom locally. All right, and so we are going to spend the next couple of weeks diving into this idea. What does it look like us to uh, look like for us to build the kingdom of God locally? And I think uh, all of us care about our community. We have chosen to live wherever it is that, that you're living. We want it to be the best that it can be. But as Christians, we know that a huge part of anything being the best that it can be is, is really by allowing God to have control over it and for allowing it to be the way that God wants it to be. That's how something becomes the best. All right, so the question is, how do we allow God to use us to impact the communities that we live in? How do we see his will happen in our everyday life or our life happen according to his will? How do we become part of that change in the areas that we live? All right, so would you stand with me? Uh, I want us to jump in and explore this together. Let's, let's just be ready to be challenged, uh, to go outside of our comfort zone, and to be ready to make an eternal impact on our cities. All right, I'm going to read this passage. It's in John chapter 13, starting with verse number 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And jump down to verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. God, I pray that as we, we look at this passage, and, and it may be a familiar passage to some of us, Lord, that, that we would find something in there that you are speaking to us today. God, I pray that we would just hear your voice and, and feel your guiding, your direction uh, so much in our life this week, and that we would be able to make an impact on the world that is around us right here in our communities. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. When God started this, uh, this whole creation project, he had intended that humans would take care of the creation alongside of him. All right, he wanted to share the responsibility and the authority with us. Isn't that amazing to think that, that God wanted to do that? Uh, and, and that's a pretty massive responsibility. Well, we chose very quickly that we didn't want to share with him. You ever done that? Have you ever shared with somebody or maybe watched little kids and they share with somebody and then someone's like, no, I'm going to take all of this. And then this is kind of what we did. Instead, we wanted to run things our own way. That's a little humorous, isn't it? That like the creator of everything was willing to share responsibility and authority with us and we booted him out and we're like, no, we're going to do it our way. All right. Uh, and, and then we have the 
we still do this like every day in our life. If you're sitting there saying, well, that wasn't me. I didn't make that choice. I make that choice almost daily. I have opportunities where I can live my life the way that God wants me to. Instead, I say, no, I think I have a better way of living my life, and I make decisions contrary to what he uh, would want to see. Well, despite us kicking God out, he still chooses to use us, uh, still wants us to be part of his plan, and he still chooses to partner with us. So when it comes to making this world the way that it's supposed to be, God plays a big part in that, obviously. But he still gives us a certain amount of responsibility in making that happen. And this is the heart of what Kingdom Builders means for us. We have a role, a job, a responsibility to, uh, to do this, and, and we want to create pathways for us to be part of it, all right? But what does that mean for us right now, right here, in our everyday life? Like, I live in a town of 3,500 people, in a state that is known for being frozen half the year, uh, in a country that seems to kind of be getting pulled apart, uh, in a world that seems a little hopeless at times. Oh, what, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed, how do I make an impact right here? We have three ways that we want to focus on this over the next three weeks. Where we think we can make an impact locally. And some of us might be really good at one of these, or maybe we kind of, one of them is our passion and we focus really heavily on it. All right, I want to challenge you to be ready to grow in areas that you haven't traditionally been passionate about. All right, especially with these first two weeks. Like today, we are going to look at how we have been commanded to love the world through living a life of service. Like this is a, a big thing for us, allowing our actions to show our love. And next week, we are going to look at how we build the kingdom of God by verbally sharing God's love and what he has done for us and what he has done in the world. All right, and oftentimes, I think Christians will focus heavily on one of these and maybe not the other. All right, either like we really like to just serve and show people love, but we have a really hard time sharing anything about our life or sharing anything about God, like verbally with someone or inviting them to church or anything like that. But we'll serve all day long because we just love to kind of be behind the scenes serving. Or you have the other side where you have people, it's like, they can't get enough of talking about all sorts of different things and telling everyone that they need Jesus and all these things. But when it comes to actually living that out and showing it in their life, they struggle with that. And I think a lot of people kind of fall into one of those two camps. Not everybody, but I want us to be ready to kind of grow in an area that maybe we haven't traditionally been strong in. All right? The passage we read today is about Jesus completely stepping outside of what is expected, and he serves his disciples in a way uh, that shocked them. All right, Jesus is in his final moments with his disciples. He knows that. They don't. Uh, this story takes place kind of alongside the Last Supper, and this is Jesus' last teaching moments, which is important to remember. Like, this is what he wanted to get across to his disciples. The people that were tasked on taking this after he was gone, all right, and making this be a worldwide type of event. Like, these people, this is what he did, okay? And to, they, they come in to celebrate Passover, and he grabs uh, a basin of water, takes off his robe, wraps a towel around his waist, and begins to wash their feet. And at first glance, this might just seem like a nice thing to do, uh, but there's a lot of weight to what is happening here. Okay, foot washing was pretty normal practice prior to meals at this time. All right, and we see that because it is mentioned at different spots throughout Scripture. 
There's one time where someone comes in and, and she's actually washing Jesus' feet with perfume and her hair. And, he said, and, and other people are mad that she's doing this. And he's like, well, you didn't, you didn't even offer me water to wash my feet. Like, this is something they would do. And he's like, you, you didn't even care enough to do that. So this is a, it's a normal practice, but it's rooted in the Old Testament. And there, there was priests that were required to wash their feet at different times. Or they would do it prior to certain religious ceremonies, prior to entering into the Holy of Holies. That's like the center of the tabernacle or the temple. where God's presence was. Before they could go in there, they had to wash their feet. All right, so it carried a spiritual symbolism with it. All right, washing of feet was representative of washing away uh, filth and sin that was in their life and cleansing someone and making them pure. It also just had a very practical role as something important to do for hygiene. All right, like streets were incredibly dirty in those days. Uh, the other day, my kids and I, we were reading through their Bible at night and, and we came to this story and we were talking about foot washing and they kind of didn't really get it. They're like, well... I don't know, that's not that big of a deal. Like, I look at my feet, and they're not very dirty. I'm like, yeah, well, you, you have socks, and you have tennis shoes, and we have paved roads, and you're trying to kind of get this across, and it just wasn't sinking in. Well, like a week later, we went to the Todd County Fair. All right, and if you've walked around at the Todd County Fair, I mean, everything is kind of dirt as you're walking through the fairgrounds, and they are wearing, like, flip-flops and Crocs. Okay, no socks. And then we, we kind of walk through a little bit of, like, the horses area, and it gets a... There, there's a few other things going on there. And then we walk over into the arena where they keep all the cows and the goats and the sheep and everything like that. And I'm watching as my boys are kind of like going like this and, and they're stepping over and I'm like, what are you guys doing? There's just so much poop and mud and dirt and all these things. I don't want to get that on my shoes. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I'm like, okay, guys, this, this is what streets would have been like. It really is. You know, you have animals that are being used to pull carts and different things and markets and, and all this is going on. I'm like, this is what it was like. They would walk around all day in sandals in this type of a setting and then they had to wash their feet. Can you imagine how gross their feet would have been? Like this is an important hygiene thing for them to do. So foot washing is carrying these two meanings with it. Jesus is intentionally leaning into both meanings here, but his disciples seem to be missing the spiritual significance based on the conversations that happen. All right, I kind of skipped over a spot where Peter has this whole objection and goes into this thing, and Peter's just kind of being a doofaloof like he normally is, and uh, I love Peter. I relate to him a lot. Uh, and Jesus is like, you just don't get it. You're missing it, man. He's like, there's something else. And so they're missing kind of this spiritual thing. Um, and Jesus is obviously foreshadowing his death on the cross and how he will cleanse them from sin. Like this foot washing thing that was symbolic of removing and cleansing them of sin and filth. He's like saying, I am about to do this. All right, and we can see, because we know the ending, it's easy for us to see that. For his disciples, they were missing this. Uh, the other thing with foot washing is that it would have been mind-blowing for the disciples that Jesus, their master and teacher and Lord, was doing it for them. It was done almost exclusively by slaves. In fact, foot washing was synonymous with slavery, like at that time. Like that, that is who did it. In a rare case that it wasn't done by a slave, the person who was receiving the washing would be socially superior to the person doing the foot washing. Like it was just very much so, this is how it happened. So Jesus, their master and teacher and Lord, removes his robe 
And this is almost kind of symbolic here. He's like removing his glory, his kingship, his status, and he lays that aside. He picks up the towel, which would be symbolic more of of the slave's job, and wraps that around him, goes down, does this work, washes the feet, does the work of a slave. Afterwards, he gets back up, and he puts back on his robe, puts back on his kingship, his authority, his status. All right? And he says, I have given you an example to follow. You should do this for others. Now, when it comes to the spiritual implication of foot washing, uh, we can't follow the example that is the spiritual side of this. Like, and Jesus knows that. Like, I can't wash away anyone's sins by washing their feet. Like the spiritual symbolism that's there. So when he says you should do this, he must be leaning into the practical side of it, saying you should be serving. You should be, be doing this practical thing that requires humility. Like this is something you should be doing. He's saying follow my example, lower yourself, set aside your status, Serve others practically with nothing else expected in return. And in the same scene, Jesus says this. It's a well-known verse. John 13, 34, he says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I am giving you a commandment. Love each other and do it how I have done it. And this love will prove to people This is the thing that my followers will be known for. If they follow me, they will show this type of love. The kind of love that sets everything aside, has nothing selfish in it, and just serves because of love. And Jesus continues to teach his disciples over the next few chapters. He's talking to them about uh, all of these things, and he keeps saying this. This line shows up. uh, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, he actually says this like five times over the next two chapters. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I think oftentimes, I think like, oh man, that's like a whole checklist of things. If I love him, I have to do all these things. I have to be this good person that follows all the rules. I think sometimes that's how we get the idea that Christianity is about rules. Keep my, my commandments. And then he keeps saying this though. My command is to love one another. And he says that three times over these next like two chapters. So you can imagine that what he's really doing here, saying, yeah, like, you would keep my commandments, you would follow what I'm saying, but I am heavily talking about this one commandment, and this is what you would do. If you love me, you would love others. If you love me, you would love them with a self-giving, self-sacrificial love. Because that's the commandment I keep saying. This is the commandment, love each other. If you love me, you'll follow my commands. And in first century Mediterranean society, there was no term for love that was just an internal state or feeling. Like, we do that all the time. When we talk about love, it's kind of this, like, feeling that we have, these butterflies in our stomach, maybe, type of thing. Like, I love this. All right, but for them, it always corresponded with some outward external action that showed and revealed one's love. They really, they had no phrase that you could use that would be like, I love this internally. It was like, well, no, if you love it, you need to show it. There is some action that should go with this. And this is hard in a way. All right, when we, when we choose to, to love like Jesus did, because he says he's giving us this call to action, a call to love others through action. 
Actions that would set aside anything that honors us, but instead places us in a spot of humility, a spot that isn't always natural to us. And this is hard, because when we choose to serve others, because Jesus asks us to, it can create a little bit of a pride or arrogance inside of us if we aren't careful. All right, and here, here's what I mean by that. When you see uh, Jesus washing feet, we have Jesus, the Son of God, and he takes on the spot of a slave to wash people's feet. You can see that change in status that happens. Now we have me, and I'm going to go wash someone's feet. I'm going to do something where I love someone practically in a humble way. And what happens? I become like Jesus when I do that. You see the difference there? Like, Jesus became like a slave when he did it. And he says, you should do this just like me. I'm like, great, I'm going to be like Jesus. And if we aren't careful, our attitude turns into a little bit of this prideful, arrogant thing. Like, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. You see how good I am? You see how humble I am? It's important to check our motives beforehand and to check our heart during and after when we serve like this. What is the motivation and expectation that we have? And it needs to be motivated by love with zero expectations of anything in return. Because when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, it was an act of self-giving love. It was foreshadowing to the even greater self-giving love that he was about to do on the cross. And he says during this teaching moment, another verse here says, uh, John 15, verse 12, This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Right there, we see it again. He keeps saying this over and over. So this is, this is what we're called to do. To love other people with a love that is active and not just passive in words. And we can do this by serving them from a place of humility that ultimately points back to Jesus and glorifies him, not us. This is one of the ways that we are called to build God's kingdom locally. It's a pretty simple idea. It doesn't require a seminary degree. It doesn't require you to have large amounts of scripture memorized or be able to teach classes. It really just requires three things. Humility, love, and a willingness to act. Humility, love, and a willingness to actually go and do it. And none of those three things really are beyond any of us unless we have an attitude that says, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not going to do those things. Now, I think for us in our modern day, literally washing someone's feet isn't really a culturally normal thing to do. All right, it isn't as needed, and therefore it's not really as helpful as it once was. I'm going to be honest, like if you try and wash my feet, you're going to get kicked in the teeth, okay? Like, don't touch my feet, I'm incredibly ticklish. It's just going to happen. And uh, so how do we apply this today? Like, wh what does this mean? Well, there are lots of ways to serve or help someone today. And in fact, uh, I, I think there's just way too many to actually list off. But I was thinking about it, and a few that I noticed just over this past week, and, and these are things just honestly right here at our church. Okay, like some things that I noticed right here. Uh, it doesn't even begin to talk about outside of our walls. Okay, uh, we have someone who mows our lawn here, just as a volunteer. 
completely does it, doesn't ever expect anything in return, doesn't ask anything. And I love that I don't have to think about that and be like, okay, who's going to mow lawn this week? And, and I, do I have to find time to do that? All right, we have somebody who every single Sunday after service loads up and pulls out our garbage and recycling out into our parking lot. Since I've become pastor of this church for three years, I, I've never once had to think about that. And actually going into it, like I, I wouldn't have had any, any idea like, oh yeah, that's right. We probably have garbage and recycling that needs to get taken care of. Okay, th- this last week, Pastor Aaron was talking about how we welcomed sixth graders in. And as the sixth graders were leaving, we had something special for them. The other kids were already out there. The doors were shut. When they opened the door, kids shot off these confetti cannons kind of right at them. All right, because that's fun. And apparently that welcomes sixth graders. And so there's this big, exciting, like, hey, sixth graders, we love you. Here's a face full of confetti to show it, you know. Uh, but the, the foyer was just a disaster. They had silly string they were spraying and whatever, and they're just trying to make it a great time. And there was two teenagers who, without being asked, went and grabbed brooms and immediately just started sweeping everything up afterwards. Like, it, it's just amazing, like this attitude uh, that people have. And I think if we live our life with the attitude that we want to help others, we're going to begin to see opportunities around us. Ways that we can love by doing very little, simple things. Things that we aren't asked or expected to do. Things that maybe are even someone else's responsibility, but we could help them. All right, like something I try and do uh, when we go out to eat. All right, I have kids, so the table is going to look like a hand grenade went off. All right, that's just what happens when you have kids and they have coloring and crayons and paper and straws. And What we try and do is at the end of the meal, I try and put everything together, stack the cups, stack the plates, wipe off the table a little bit, and just try and pull it all together. I'll pull stuff up off the floor, put it on the table. Okay, is there someone that there is actually, like, it's their job? They're literally getting paid to do that? Yes, that is their job. But you know what? I can actually make their life a little bit easier with something pretty small. I think those type of attitudes where we are looking for things like what can we do that is not our responsibility, is not required of us, but we can make a difference. Even if it's a small difference in someone's life that we can show that we love them. Or if you go to fast food, there's always like a table that still has garbage on it or underneath it. Like just walking around and picking stuff up, putting it away. I mean garbage really anywhere in the world that you go. If you see garbage, just pick it up. Is it your job? No, probably not, but it's somebody's job or someone has to do it. Let's just do that. Like, that's the type of attitude. If we live our life with that attitude, all right, the thing with being a Christian is this. Like, you never get to take that hat off. You don't get to say, well, I'm a Christian here, but here I I don't have to be a Christian. Over here, I'm actually, I'm the customer, and you should really do everything to make my life better. No, you are still a Christian. Like, everywhere we go, you never take that hat off. Some of you, when you leave work and go home, you get to take your work hat off. Some jobs, you don't really get to do that as much. Okay, like, I have a parent hat, and sometimes, every once in a while, we get to throw the kids at the grandparents and be like, I get to take that parent hat off for a little bit. Right? Like, that's a great time. But as a Christian, I I never, you never get to take that hat off. And people are always looking at you, they're watching you, and everything that they see you do is with the idea that you are a Christian. So we need to live our life with this type of attitude. Jesus said, they will know us by our love. All right, and as good as it is to have things like we love our city and to do a big event like that, this is so much more than like a big one-time event. 
This is about living our life every single day with an attitude where we are just going to be humble and we are going to serve everywhere that we can. All right, and we don't complain about it and we don't boast about it. I'm so sure that there, there are tons of other examples of what this looks like in day-to-day -day life, but I, I just can't even come up with them because this is just, a, it's a lifestyle. And a side note, if you're living under the roof, you're living in a house with somebody who isn't a Christian, maybe you've been praying for them, maybe you want to see that happen, living this way to them is one of the best things you can do. All right, you say you're a Christian, you go to church, they think there should be a difference in your life. When you live this way for them, serving them, going above and beyond in your marriage or in that relationship, like that speaks volumes to people. Selfless love through our actions. So my challenge is this. Every day this week, when you wake up, Start your day with some type of like declaration that, all right, you know what? I am ready, I am willing, and I am wanting to love people by serving them just the way that Jesus did. And if you, if you kind of make a big deal of this in the morning and you start going throughout your day, I'm telling you right now, you are going to see opportunity after opportunity. When you are getting ready in the morning, there are going to be opportunities. When you are driving to work, you are going to see things. You're like, oh, you know what? I could do that. I could pull over and help that person. Hey, I wonder, that person's walking this direction. I wonder if they just need a ride somewhere. Like, there are so many different ways that we can do this. And when you have that attitude, you have those eyes and that mindset, you are going to see this all throughout your day. And I'll tell you what, when you start to live this way, it's contagious. And it is, it is again, we aren't doing it for this, but like, it's incredibly rewarding just to, to know that you love people and to show people that you love them. It changes you. And maybe there's people in your life that you don't really want to serve. And you struggle with them. And you're like, well, they're just a freeloader anyways, and they're lazy. I'm not going to pick up extra work because it's just enabling them. Or you're upset with them because you got in some fight, and argument, and you're like, well, I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to, normally I do this for you, and I'm just not going to. Remember this. And don't miss this. When, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, Judas was still there. And he washed Judas' feet. And I'm willing to bet, doesn't say it in Scripture, that he didn't just do a quick once-over. I mean, the character of Jesus that we see, I would bet that he probably spent more time on Judas' feet than anybody else's. I don't think we can come up with any excuse that would say we shouldn't serve someone because they don't deserve it. That's exactly why we should be serving them. Because Jesus laid down his life for you and me, and I know I didn't deserve it. So I want us to have this attitude this week. All right, last thing we're going to do, why don't we just stand as we kind of close this. If you remember back in March... We had our global focus, and during that, we, we specifically had some projects that we said, you know what, we want to look for a way to kind of uh, give to these projects above and beyond. And so we had this awesome project where we actually were, were part of a, a coffee farm being built in China, and 
the, the missionaries were going there to build this coffee farm up in a village in the mountains. And as they were doing that, they were going to translate the Bible into the local language because that language has no scripture, no translation of the Bible in their language. And so we got to be part of kind of giving towards that. And as we were thinking about this here, um, well, we're doing this local focus. We said, hey, let's take these three weeks here and, and let's just, let's put a couple projects in front of us again. You know what, as we are trying to love uh, people locally, as we're trying to do that with our actions and with our service, again, like we said, for Americans, for us, one of the best ways we can do this is just financially as well. All right, so we have a few projects that we, just over the next couple weeks, are putting in front of us as just kind of something even above and beyond our normal giving, above and beyond even our normal missions giving and saying, hey, let's make a difference with these. And Sock Center and us both are doing the same projects here. All right, and so I want to... Um, all this money that would come in would be going towards uh, these projects and the, and the kingdom of God being built. And so uh, here's the three projects that we have. And maybe one of them is going to really kind of uh, hit home for you where you're like, yeah, I, I want to I be part of that. So first one is this. We are in the process of planting a church in Bruton. All right. A church in Bruton that would reach the BBE area. Bruton, Belgrade, El Rosa. Okay, and so as I'm talking about this, the ushers are going to be handing out some cards here that actually have a little bit of an explanation of them. And by each project, there's a QR code if you want to use that. You hold your phone up to it, and it'll bring you a link. You click on it, and it'll bring you directly to a spot where you can give to that project. All right, so this first one, and, and we want to, here's what we want to do. Pastor Corey has actually already been meeting in Bruton on Monday nights with people. And they have a group that's been coming together some people from our church that live in that area, and then just some other people from that area. And they've been meeting on Monday nights, and they've been talking about what would it look like to start a church here. All right, but we have nothing. We have no building. We, we don't have anything like that. We don't have a pastor to lead it. We have Corey, who is just going over there, like on a weekly basis. And we believe that God is calling us to do something in that area. And when God says go, we want to be ready to move. So one of the things we want to do is we want to build up basically about $20,000 so that when God says go, we can't say, hold on, God, we got to figure out money. We want to say, God said go, and we say yes. All right, so that's one of the projects here that we want to do. All right, the second project is this. It is, we have something called Minnesota Youth Convention, which is where our high schoolers uh, head down to Rochester for a weekend um, and, and it's high, uh, high schoolers and middle schoolers kind of from all over the state. And it has a massive impact on people. The problem is, is it just, it costs money. And we have kids that don't always have the money to do that. And we want to build up uh, just a little bit more scholarship money that we can offset the cost, uh, kind of first for everybody, and then even more so for those that need it. And specifically for students that really have nothing to do with the church. They don't go to a church on Sunday. They might show up on a Wednesday. They might be invited by a friend and say, hey, you should come to youth convention. We want to make sure that money doesn't stop them from going and encountering and experiencing Jesus in a life-changing way. All right, so if you want to give towards that, we, we would love that. It, it's, it costs our kids about 180 bucks a kid. Okay, and we've kind of put there again, you know, we're just like, hey, let's, let's try and get like 3,000 that we can, we can have for that. And then the last one is this. It's our event of We Love Our City. 
And this is a, a citywide thing, but we are kind of putting the fire under it and we want to see this happen. And so we have signed on and said, we are willing to just cover the entire cost of it. Um, and we have some other churches that they are going to be giving towards it as well. But this is going to cost us uh, about $5,000 probably because we are giving out all this food um, and different things like that. Like it, it costs money. We're advertising. We're buying um, the signs and things like that. So it costs money to put this on. Um, and so each one of these projects is, is a way that we can financially make a difference locally. Locally, right here. We can see the kingdom of God be built. All right, so just today, over this week, over the next couple weeks, I want you to just be praying about that. Maybe there's one of those that you want to give to. Um, that would be amazing. All right, but I'm going to pray here, and I want, us, I want to bring us back to what today's message was again. What is our attitude? Right now, as you think about your attitude throughout, you, like as you go throughout the day, are you more likely to walk past something because it's not your job, you don't really feel like doing it, you don't have time, I'm too busy, I'm in a rush. Like, where can we grow so that we can actually start to, to serve people, to love them, to, to, to take on a position of just humility and say, there's nothing that's beneath me. There's no job that's beneath me. God, I pray that as we, as we get ready to just go about our life this week, God, that this isn't something that we have to plan out some big event. Uh, this is just a way that we can live like you, Jesus, the way that you lived. You had such a massive impact on every person you came in contact with. God, we want to have the same. We want to have the same type of impact as we walk through our city. God, I pray that we wouldn't be people that just uh, help people overseas that we can't see but Lord, we make a difference right here in our life, in the community around us. God, under our own roof, with our family, are there ways that we can serve better? Jesus, that you would just highlight that for us. We ask this in your name. Amen.